Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Again, it's hour two of Mornings with Carmen. Remember, you can text me just about anything as long as it's, you know, appropriate to 877-933-2484. Engaging now with Barb and Mary. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Jack. Good morning, Kay. Good morning to the rest of you texting in this morning. It's always nice to engage with folks during the show. And yes, if you're wondering who's going to text you back, um, that's going to be me. Yeah, I like to multitask. All right. Democrat Joe Manchin has put a halt to the $3.5 trillion spending plan. Uh, So that is going to be a story that we're going to be watching out of Washington. Manchin uh, says the nation faces an unprecedented array of challenges and will inevitably encounter additional crises in the future. Um, Yet some in Congress have a strange belief there's an infinite supply of money to deal with any current or future crisis that's spending trillions upon trillions will have no negative consequence for the future. And then he says, I disagree. Well, I agree with him. Uh, there is there is a limit. There ought to be limits. Government ought to be limited in the number of things that it intrudes into. Because why? 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 Because we as believers, as people of faith, ought to be stepping in and stepping up into many of those spaces and places and taking not only personal but collective responsibility for um, the the things in the culture for which we we recognize that we as the church bear a load of responsibility. So there you go. A Texas abortion law um, is not only already saving lives, it's already under fierce assault and attack. Um, You're going to hear lots of news related to this, including the president's um, formation of or tasking of everyone in his administration who could bring their influence to bear on this, including the full legal weight of uh, the White House. So the executive branch is uh, is a stir. My guess is that Congress is going to uh, gin up something as well. Nancy Pelosi has vowed to pass legislation allowing abortion throughout all nine months of pregnancy. So she doesn't want just a a to concretize Roe v. Wade into law. She wants to do so um, for the full nine months of pregnancy. The abortion debate in this country is certainly not over. And so as we watch what happens with the new law in Texas, which we talked uh, about yesterday with Ben Johnson, and we will talk again uh, on Monday or Tuesday after Labor Day, sorry, Tuesday with Mark Caleb Smith, we're going to continue tilling the soil of this particular law. Why? Well, because it now is uh, it now is the centerpiece of the conversation and the debate. At its basis, or at its base, the conversation is about the human heartbeat. And that's where I think we as Christians need to um, be able to center ourselves. Um, Don't get dragged away from the central point here. And the central point of the conversation is, what is a human life? Who, Who is human? And when does that life begin? 
And for those of us who are pro-life from conception to natural death, then we don't even think that necessarily this goes far enough in terms of the protection of the unborn. However, it goes obviously far further than anything else. And it is the first time that a bill of this nature has become a law in terms of actually enacted in in a state since Roe v. Wade. And so it's the you're going to hear it described as the most restrictive uh, abortion law in the country. And in fact, it is. It has functionally stopped abortions in the state of Texas, saving. Um, well, I don't know. They don't they don't you know, it's hard to keep numbers, but something around a thousand lives a day. Every day that the law stands in Texas. So uh, ABC News is reporting it this way. A day after the nation's most restrictive anti-abortion law went into effect, doctors and advocates reported a steep decline in abortions across Texas. Well, it should have been brought to zero. But anyway, a Houston provider, Dr. Kumar, said he normally performs between 20 and 30 abortions a day. Since the new law, he said he's only seen six patients and forced to turn half of them away. Why? Because he heard a heartbeat. Because he heard a heartbeat. 20 20 to 30 abortions a day by one abortion provider in Houston. All right. So many things to be of prayerful concern about. And I'm not just concerned about the babies. I am concerned about the moms Um, I am concerned about the life circumstances. I am pro-life on all the other fronts as well. Adoption. I am, I mean, you you know me, all right? So um, this is not just about abortion. This is about life and human flourishing um, and doing the right thing by everyone, certainly by God. All right, Adam Holtz is standing by right now from Focus on the Families Plugged In. He and I are going to turn our attention to the entertainment headlines of the day. Joining me now, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. You can find much of what we're talking about today at PluggedIn.com. Adam, welcome back. Carmen, always great to talk to you on a Friday morning. Absolutely. All right, what is a life worth? What is a life worth? Let's start here today with uh, a movie that's under the radar. We'll touch on Shang-Chi and Cinderella in a minute. But uh, Worth is a movie that actually came out in theaters about a year ago, and it is on Netflix Today And it stars Michael Keaton as Ken Feinberg, and he is a former longtime lawyer and now a professor at Georgetown University, and he is the country's foremost expert in legally identifying what a life is worth in cases where somebody dies prematurely. So, uh, you know, there, there are lawyers who try to answer these questions when there are lawsuits um, and the U.S. government comes to him after 9-11 to preemptively um, basically acquire his services because they're terrified that there's going to be a class action lawsuit against the airlines and potentially somehow against the U.S. government uh, that could cripple everything. And so they task him with trying to figure out a uniform figure 
of worth for the victims of 9-11. This is based on a true story. And what's interesting about this story is that it goes from this sort of detached, calculated, actuarial character that Michael Keaton plays really coming to have a deep and, and pretty profound sense of the worth of a human life being something that transcends numbers, that transcends our ability to figure it out. And that happens in part because he interacts with families who say, I don't care about the money. We're not looking for any money at all. We just want to know that our loved one's life is remembered as something of dignity and value. And so I think especially coming out of the conversation you were just having before we came on about abortion, uh, this question, what is a life worth? What is a heartbeat worth? Uh, and in God's eyes, it's of inestimable worth, right? There's, there is unfathomable, really incalculable dignity with every single human life. And, and this is a movie that kind of digs into that. It's not particularly spiritual, and it's not really trying to get at that question from a spiritual point of view. But um, it isn't. I think it's something that you could use as a springboard to a trampoline about that bigger conversation. And it's got, you know, some references to the violence of 9-11, but just a handful of profanity, not too much content really. So pretty accessible film. Again, it's streaming on Netflix and it's called Worth. Yeah, and I think that when we talk about what is literally happening in the headline news of the day, not only in anticipation of remembering what happened on 9-11, but the Purdue Pharma victim settlement payments um, over mm-hmm. opioid use um, go into this conversation as well. I mean, we're hearing from those families that, you know, no amount of money is enough. Um, that's actually not even – it's like gross to reduce right. victims of these pharmaceutical um, sales – uh, to reduce these victims to, you know, let's say $48,000 a person. That's, you know, maybe what the $4.5 billion settlement is going to, um, you know, turn out to be. And, you know, in those families, whether or not they actually get $48,000. And it, is that it? Like, I mean, I, I look, I, it just, it's right. crazy. So how it's do we crazy. come to the place where we talk about the worth of a person? And as Christians, you know, the the idea that God deems each of us and and all of us worthy of the blood of Christ, of, of the of the life and death, um, of His own Son. Like that's the worth placed on us by God, and so yeah. that's the conversation and, then that Christians can in turn have. And and I think the other cornerstone passage that shapes our understanding of our worth, of course, is the story of creation in Genesis mm. that we're created in God's image, and you know the fall. It did something to that image. It marred it. It cracked it. Theologians have argued for centuries over, you know, how badly damaged is the image of God in us. But however we answer that question, uh, the reality remains that we are created to reflect uh, the glory of our creator and, and his image is stamped on us. And so those two things together are, are really foundational for our understanding of why abortion is such a, a a heinous thing that you're you're destroying individuals that are made in God's image whom Jesus died for. So uh, movies like this, I think they give us an opportunity to talk about that. And that's a good thing in our culture. Absolutely. All right, let's take a very brief break. We're going to continue our conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. 
more reviews. And- All right, maybe you're looking for something to watch on this Labor Day weekend. What is worthy of watching? Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. What do you have for us? What's worthy of watching? Well, we got a big one this weekend. It's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which is the latest Marvel movie. And it is about a young man of Chinese descent. He's in America. Uh, he has fled from his father, who is a uh, basically a Chinese supervillain who has incredible power due to the 10 bracelet-like rings that he wears on his wrists. Um, and uh, Shang-Chi has been in hiding, but his dad has found him. And now he'll have to reunite with his sister and confront his dad, who is trying to bring, uh, well, he's trying to reconnect with his dead wife. Uh, and as often happens when we try to reconnect with dead people, there are potentially very bad things that will happen to the entirety of humanity if he's successful. Um, this movie exceeded my expectations. I really enjoyed it. Great characterization. Obviously, you can tell there are some fairly significant spiritual things to navigate here. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's some there's some profanity. I think some great messages about family and fatherhood. So um, not a perfect movie, PG-13 for a reason, but but one that I think has a surprisingly deep resonance on multiple levels. Okay, and interesting that it's releasing during the Taoist celebration of Ghost Month. I know. You didn't oh. make that connection, but I did. No, okay. I, you know, I didn't uh, know that. It, it's global. It's global. All right, so uh, what about Cinderella? Not the Cinderella that I remember? No, not the Cinderella that you remember. This one is streaming on Amazon Prime, and it is also screening at some IMAX theaters across the country. It stars uh, pop star Camila Cabello, and I've been practicing her name because it's hard to say, uh, as the latest iteration of Cinderella. What you need to know about this one is it's kind of a feminist rethinking of this story. I mean, it's the Cinderella story that we all know and love, um, but she plays a young woman who wants to open a dress shop and wants to be a fashion designer, and she's told she can't do that because she's a woman. And so the core of the story really is her pushing back against that. There are some, I think, positive understandings of what feminism looks like. Um, and, and there's also, of course, the LGBTQ representation here uh, because the fairy godmother is uh, <laughs> uh, played by an LGBT activist and, of course, is not a fairy godmother, uh, but is, uh, you know, played by a male and it's, it's played by Billy Porter. So some folks may be familiar with Billy Porter and, and we're seeing that in everything now. And this is just the latest example of how that issue is front and center in a movie that has nothing to do with any of that. Mm, interesting. All right. So one more. I Heart Arlo releasing on Netflix. Yes. I Heart Arlo is a new TV series, and it builds on the movie that came out earlier this year, Arlo the Alligator Boy. Uh, it kind of looks vaguely like SpongeBob, and on the surface, it's about uh, a, a bunch of kind of oddball characters in New York City. Um, some nice messages here about friendship, about acceptance, some you know good things, but the subtext here is barely sub. It's almost text. And this is another one that is very much an LGBTQ uh, designed or, or not. It, 
the characters are are representing that perspective uh, pretty blatantly, and and so that's just right there being aimed at young kids. And so you know the idea of kindness and acceptance seem increasingly fused to this particular subject and iteration in the stuff that's being aimed at children today. Um, I have one uh, review up about um, Arlo, and it is described this way. It delivers a rousing yet family-friendly queer fable. Yeah. So there you go. I, mean, that's, I might that's sum it up that at. way. Yeah. That's how, um, yeah. That's, that's how that one's going to go. All right. So I want to do the Kanye West headline. Um, yeah. So tell us what's going on <clears throat> currently with Kanye West, not least of which is that he has applied to have his name changed to just Yay. <laughs> Yay, because one syllable is better than two. Uh, he has a new album out called Donda, and Donda, of course, is his mother who died a few years ago. He, uh, Kanye has talked at length about her influence in his life. Uh, and Kanye has definitely been on a spiritual journey for a while now. Um, obviously, he and Kim Kardashian have divorced. It would be interesting to know what the real story is there. I don't know that we ever will. But his latest album definitely continues to have multiple references to God, to Jesus, uh, to subjects like repentance uh, and and sin and brokenness. And um, one of the reviews I read talked about when he talks about repentance, um, you know, is does he really understand what it means? So there's a line in one song called New Again, and it says, and I repent for everything I'm going to do again. And the author of this uh, this review in Religion News basically says, well, if you're going to do it again, do you really understand what repentance is? And so mm -hmm. it's a mixed bag. Kanye is giving us some very provocative uh, Christian-themed things to dig into. And I think, I think he is sincerely on a real religious journey. But uh, not everything here is is necessarily going to pass orthodox muster. Yeah, the um, the new album Donda rolled out in a big stage, a uh, big stage yeah. event um, <clears throat> held in major venues across the country, um, featuring a church as the centerpiece. And at the very end, it's my understanding, Kim Kardashian, or at least someone who looks an awful lot like her, um, <laughs> appearing at the very end in a bridal gown, um, yeah. veiled. So there's yeah, a ton of stuff. Vows. <laughs> yeah, there's a ton of stuff here, right, for a divorced couple yeah. to be doing at the end um, of this show. Yeah. Yes, All right. Absolutely. We don't have time to talk about um, our brain on screens, nor to have a robust conversation about what China is doing, but we got a minute. So China is now limiting the number of hours minors can play video games, and they're telling them yeah. exactly when they can do it. Yep, three hours a week. And uh, it, what's interesting here is there are a couple of reasons. It sounds like they're concerned about kids interacting online and their inability to control what they might be saying to each other. So there is a draconian communist element to this story. Um, but there's also concern that video games are, quote, destroying a generation, and they call it spiritual opium. And so there's an understanding of the addictive nature of video games and how those might be harming kids. Yeah, so you can only, like, I don't know, play for an hour, like, on Friday and Saturday night or something. Exactly. It's going to be really limited, exactly. and I, I would suspect that, you know, every kid in China is going to be online playing games during those hours. So I don't know what that's <laughs> going to do to sort of the global gaming 
industry. But there you go. That's a that's a storyline to watch. Spiritual opium. That might be a good walk off. I don't know. We had communicating with the dead this week. We have uh, Kanye West and all kinds of um, uh, spiritual themes in in his new album and show. Um, and we got a queer fable. I don't know. There's a little something for everyone in Adam Holtz's yep. report from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Check it all out at PluggedIn.com. Adam, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Carmen. Let's take a break for Breakpoint. All right. There's a significant <clears throat> effort to have you uh, turn your attention away from what's going on in Afghanistan. There is uh, an effort to have you forget the Americans who are still there and green card holders, special immigrant visa holders, our friends, our allies, those who have helped us for years on end. Um, We're not going to turn our attention away from that. We are going to continue to turn our attention to it until the work is accomplished. So John Bradley is going to be back with us in just a moment. Retired U.S. Air Force Lieutenant General John Bradley. uh, He joined us a few days ago, August the 25th, uh, to talk about their efforts in getting out their partners from the Lamia Foundation. He is going to share with us uh, how those efforts went, what's uh, going on now to, to continue and hopefully ultimately complete that work. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Locato. You have bills to pay, beds to make, and grass to cut. Your face won't grace any magazine covers, and you aren't expecting a call from the White House. Congratulations. You qualify for a modern-day Christmas story. Step into the stable. Cradle in your arms the infant Jesus. Listen as one who knew him well puts lyrics to the event. What no theologian conceived, what no rabbi dared to dream, God did. John 1.14 proclaims, The Word became flesh. Christ in Mary, God in Christ. The Word of God entered the world with the cry of a baby. God writes His story with ordinary people like Joseph, like Mary, people like you, like me. This is Max Locato. All right, joining us again today, retired Lieutenant General John Bradley. He served as the commander of the United States Air Force Reserve Command until his retirement in 2008. And since then, he has been leading the effort of the Lamia Foundation to build schools and educate girls In Afghanistan, as you can imagine, he has many co-laborers who are now being targeted uh, within Afghanistan. He joined us on August the 25th. You can hear that conversation at MyFaithRadio.com. General Bradley, welcome back. Thank you very much, Ms. LeBurge. It's so nice to be back with you. Thank you for this uh, covering this subject. Absolutely. We're not uh, we are not going to turn our attention away um, from the people in the place that you have grown to love so deeply. Um, Tell us what you know, not only since August the 25th, but since August the 31st. What do we need to know? Okay, briefly, let me tell you, uh, we talked on Wednesday, the 25th, as you said, on uh, Thursday, 
the next day, there was a big explosion at a gate, a suicide bombing that, as we know, killed 13 uh, U.S. servicemen, soldiers, Marines, and a sailor, uh, injured many. It also killed 160 Afghans and uh, injured many more. There was a family there that was uh, caught up in the explosion, and it was a family I was trying to evacuate. They had not been told to come to the airport. I had applied through the State Department, through the Department of Defense's uh, joint staff, the paperwork to evacuate up to 500 people. Not a single one of those 500 got a phone call to come to the airport. This family that was there during the explosion on Thursday evening was uh, a man, his wife, a 14-year-old son, a 13-year-old son, and a 7-year-old daughter. The father and mother were on the ground. The 14-year-old thought they were dead. They were not. Both were taken to the hospital. The mother did die that night. The 14-year-old was alone at this gate for quite a long time. The other two children I'll mention in a second. Uh, eventually, uh, the 14-year-old went to a, an empty house about a mile from the airport. And uh, later, through phone contact with his father, uh, they got together, and they are still in Kabul. We have moved them twice to safe locations, and we are trying to get them out of the country. I have no idea if we'll ever get them to the United States, but I want to get them out of the country safely. The two young children, this is the unbelievable part of this story. These two young children were picked up by a neighbor who was there at the airport, not trying to leave himself. I don't know why he would go in there uh, into those thousands trying to get in. He was not trying to leave. His family is still in Kabul. Picked up the children and unbelievably after an explosion, soldiers and Marines at the gate let the, the three in, took them to the medical treatment facility that the military had put up on the airport grounds, treated them and put all three of them on an Air Force C-17 cargo uh, aircraft and flew them to Ramstein Air Base, Germany. The two children were taken to the big uh, army hospital, regional hospital, Landstuhl Hospital in uh, next door to Ramstein Air Base, treated them. The, the young girl had some surgery on her leg and they are there in the hospital. I've seen pictures and videos of them, um, them almost every day. Now, we're trying to get those two children to the United States. We got a call yesterday saying that they would be on an airplane today. We've not heard anything. The reason we're wanting, we've been trying to get them together through uh, a lot of media attention. There have been stories in the New York Times. CNN has talked about doing a story. We've done uh, a local Washington NBC story. There is an aunt who is an American citizen, 35-year-old woman we know, who's the brother of the man who's still in Kabul. Uh, she lost her sister-in-law. She and uh, lives with her parents in an apartment in Alexandria, Virginia. So we're trying to get these two children, 13 and seven, reunited with the closest family they have in uh, Alexandria, Virginia. So we're trying to get them all when they're clear to travel. And a doctor told this aunt in Alexandria yesterday that they would be on an airplane today, Friday. We've not heard anything yet. I'm hopeful that they'll get there. It's been a long uh, week trying to work on this because no one at the hospital will talk to me because I'm not family and it's mm -hmm. maybe it's HIPAA laws, it's hospital, it's U.S. Army. I don't know. They won't talk to me. 
but we've had a little bit of information from other sources and I'm hopeful we'll get them there. I'm sorry for the long explanation, but that's You're the, fine. That's the, these two children are precious little children. And uh, I mean, if you saw a picture of this little girl, you would just say, wow, what a cutie. Let me tell you, the 14 year old son and the father still in Kabul. Here's a heartbreaker for you. This is a keeper video. He sent a video to his aunt in Alexandria from Kabul, a video saying, please thank Grandpa Bradley for trying to reunite our family. I mean, mm -hmm. unbelievable. I, <laughs> they call me Grandpa because I'm older. You know, the, the men, men that work for us over there, the volunteers call my wife and me mom and dad. They call me uh, and Jan, Grandpa, Grandma. So <laughs> anyway, mm -hmm. I thought that was, he's in hiding and he's sending me a video thanking me, goodness. So that kind of communication, first of all, John, thank you so much for what you're doing, what you're trying to do, what you continue to apply yourself to doing on behalf of uh, precious people, um, including these children now in Germany, um, who we, we, along with you, will, will pray and advocate for thank the you. reunion with their thank extended you. family here in the United States. Um, that video is an example of something that we are hearing um, in other ways from other places uh, in terms of the kinds of communication that are taking place. Um, help us understand how that communication, I mean, don't give us the specifics, but help us understand for those of us who like right. are just techno technologically ignorant, um, because that sounds dangerous to me. That sounds like that potentially puts that person in hiding in a, yeah. uh, in a particularly even more dangerous spot. There is communication are, obviously happening in an ongoing way, but it's it's happening in some way that's beyond the knowledge of regular people. Exactly. You're exactly right on the mark. You, you understand this exactly. These people can be tracked. So uh, this son uh, is smart enough. He has changed the SIM card in his phone. Uh, we are using communication through Signal app. It's an encrypted app. We don't use WhatsApp is a way some people communicate. We've stopped using that because it's been compromised. At least we are told the Taliban is uh, has been able to crack into WhatsApp. Uh, I'd not used it before, but I used it briefly the other day to talk to this neighbor that carried the two children. I talked to him through an interpreter on uh, WhatsApp just uh, last Sunday. Uh, he's the man that carried these children into the airport and got them treated. And he's in Germany. I don't know what will happen with him, but uh, whether they'll keep him in Germany, Germany or send him on with the children. But uh, you're exactly right. You've got to watch these uh, communications. So we've got this family in hiding. We're hoping to get them out over land or some other way, flying if that's possible sometime soon. But we've got them in a safe place right now. And we are telling them use Signal, which is an encrypted uh, app on phones that is a lot more safe for communication. All right. Um, General Bradley, when we come back, um, the, the, so the story that you just told helps us, I think, um, understand something that the White House press secretary said yesterday in relationship to not knowing even who is on the manifest of planes, particularly charter flights that might be leaving Afghanistan and seeking to land at U.S. military bases. I'm going to have you walk us a little bit around um, in in that conversation as well because of your vast experience in this area. We are talking with retired Lieutenant General John Bradley. You can check the LAMIA uh, foundation at LAMIA, L-A-M-I-A dot O-R-G. And yes, I am going to ask him for an update 
on her. We'll be right back. Continuing our conversation with retired Lieutenant General John Bradley from the U.S. Air Force. Um, John, first of all, people are wanting to know, so please bring us up to date on the status of Lamia and her family. I will. Let me just say the story I told uh, a moment ago is just is two uh, out of 500 we were trying to get out. Now, to Lamia, uh, we are in touch with her family, and we're very careful about the communication with uh, them. She is obviously uh, someone we're very worried about because she's the name of our foundation. Her name has been seen around on some projects we've done. I mean, we don't do a whole lot of uh, advertising and signs around, but... Uh, in her village, which is a small village, an hour north of Kabul, Afghanistan, very small village, everybody would know that these Americans had visited her 15 times over the years uh, as my wife and I had made our trips to Afghanistan. So we're worried about them. We're working to try to get them out as well. So far, they are safe. I, I really think they are okay, will be okay, but we're gonna, we're still working to try to get her out and some of her family, if at all possible. There are several others that we're getting working on. I mentioned these two little, uh, the father and son that are still in Kabul in a safe place. We have a woman, a woman judge who had put a lot of bad uh, men in prison at Bagram Air Base and a, and a big prison on the east side of Kabul. All of those prisoners have been released. Some of them were Taliban. Some of them have relatives who are Taliban and they are after her and her little baby. And uh, we have her in hiding and we're trying to get her out as well. My country director and his family, we're still trying to get him out. But uh, we've not had any success getting anyone on airlift other than those two injured children. And that was happenstance that they got taken, thankfully. Uh, but because soldiers and Marines did exactly the right thing in trying to take care of them and, and help them. So we just want to get that family back together. And we'd love to get a lot more of our volunteers out as well. So the story um, that you shared about the neighbor who, you know, basically picks up these two children and approaches um, what is left of the Abbey Gate following the explosion and the response, you know, which is heroic of U.S. military to shepherd these people um, through the gate into the um, the medical unit there on the uh, on the grounds of the Kabul airport and then ferrying them onto a C-17 uh, out of out of the region into Germany, that and landing at a U.S. military base. That story, I think, helps people understand the concern that Jen Psaki was raising yesterday. She is the White House press secretary, and she was asked, you know, we're hearing that the U.S. is not allowing these charter flights out of Afghanistan to land and she raised concern about manifest, like not actually knowing who is on flights. Apparently, we didn't really know who was on a lot of flights um, because the people who should have been on those flights, um, who are the green card holders and the SIVs and other people, aren't are not the people who got out. And so talk with us a little bit about the concern that you could imagine that the U.S. military would have now about people on charter flights coming out of Afghanistan, landing at U.S. military bases, and what's the other option? Where else could they go? Absolutely. Uh, uh, let me say, I, uh, it's a very good question. What I would say is many, many people, probably thousands, they say 123,000 plus, were uh, on these uh, Air Force aircraft that 
went to Qatar and Ramstein Air Base. There are thousands of Afghans at Ramstein Air Base. I've talked to people that are in charge of working on uh, manifesting them for further flights and caring for them medically and actually walking them to the airplanes, walking them off of the military airplanes. It's, it's quite a big operation. It's enormous. But many of those people had no documents. Some people got through those gates because someone knew someone. I mean, I've heard stories on, on the news. I've read stories in papers about former Navy SEALs who could call somebody uh, on the airport and say, hey, let this guy in. He was my interpreter. Maybe he had no papers. I don't know. It, I think a lot of people got there without documents. I submit, you know, we went through the system. I can't keep track of my COVID card. So I don't yeah. know how in the midst of all that chaos, um, you're keeping track of a sheet of paper. So there you go. Well, I, I've got folders on my computer that we have sent in hundreds of names to the State Department with all the information they asked for. We've sent in hundreds of names with all of the information on people, dates of birth, passports, so forth. I've got the, all of that on my computer, just the people I mm. sent in with phone numbers sent to the Pentagon, to the Joint Staff Afghan uh, non-combatant evacuation operation cell, tracking this. Not a single person got a phone call to show up. The family that just I makes no earlier, sense to That just makes no, no sense to those of us who are listening. We're like, I'm shrugging my shoulders. I'm like, if you can't get somebody's attention, um, I'm having a hard time imagining how anybody could. And so I'm well, really <laughs> thankful for the people who who are continuing to go, the people who are yes. voluntarily putting themselves in harm's way to shepherd and ferry people out. I just, I, I can't still, even yeah. imagine how heroic that is. Yes, ma'am. There are still people in Kabul trying to help, and we're working with several of them. Uh, you, it's amazing. You asked about charter flights. Where could they go? They can go to any airport in the Middle East easily hmm. and offload people. I'm not saying that's easy because, you know, if they show up and there are no visas for, for there, okay. Well, how many visas did people have going to Qatar before or Ramstein uh, when we were, the U.S. military was doing the operation? So an airplane can get permission to land most anywhere except maybe a military base, but they can go to other airports in the countries, in Germany. They could go to Frankfurt. They could go to uh, airports in Qatar or Kuwait, anywhere. So... It can be done. It's frustrating. Uh, many people got on airplanes who did not have proper documentation. Many people who had proper documentation did not get inside the gates. And I can't mm -hmm. explain why. I would love Thanks. to know the answer why not a soul out of 500 people we submitted was ever called uh, to so show sorry. up at the airport with all the information we provided, including photos of these people with what they would be wearing when they showed up, including birth dates, passport numbers, all the information they asked for. None it's just none heartbreaking. It it's is. just it's just heartbreaking. The after action related to this is going to be um, extensive. The the questions, but right now there's still an urgency related to these precious people. Correct. So John, keep up the good work. We are going Thank to stay you. in touch with you. You are welcome back to tell your stories. Both those stories uh, that that contain really good news, but those stories that um, that share the reality when bad news occurs as well, because. We need to know. We want to know. We are praying for you and Jan. We're praying for these uh, kids in, in the hospital in Germany and for the safe passage to the United States and reunification with their family or extended family uh, in Virginia, on and on and on, praying for those you are still working so diligently 
to uh, to gain safe passage out of Afghanistan. And for those who will remain there long term, we're praying in the midst of all of it um, for God's goodness and grace and mercy. So thank you again. Uh, General John Bradley, um, retired from the U.S. Air Force, on the forefront of getting people out of Afghanistan. You can find him at Lamia, L-A-M-I-A dot O-R-G. We'll be right back. All right. Apparently you guys liked the little word of the day uh, challenge. Thank you uh, to Carolyn for sharing the word of the day at their house. The word of the day at their house is adoption. Thank you for sharing that story um, with me. Um, I'll, I'll find a way to share it in a more amplified way in the future, but we've run out of time today. What's the word of the day where you live? Let it be the word made flesh to dwell among us, full of grace and truth. Let the word of the day over your life and through your lips and on your heart be the name of Jesus. He is the word of this day and every day. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.